Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, well, tonight the Lakers try to even the series on the road and still earn that split in Denver that they kind of sort of really need here. Uh, Otherwise, it is definitely going seven. You have in the NBA some rumblings that I find very interesting within the Lakers' own uh, Pacific Division. Uh, There is... A lot of whining coming out of Denver for no real reason. And like they they seem like almost upset at anybody asking like why they won game one against the Lakers and what they might be doing to combat the adjustment that we saw from Darvin Ham and the Lakers at the end of game two. There's a lot to talk about here as we prepare for a huge game two in the Western Conference Finals. Let's start with the game that is tonight, right? By the time you guys are listening to this, the Lakers are going to be hours from ti- you know from tipping off in Game 2 in Denver. Uh, LeBron said going into the season, it's an interesting quote that really kind of caught me off guard, but LeBron mentioned, hey, um, you know, sometimes that second game at alt- altitude makes a little bit more sense, makes it a little easier to play there because... You have now lived in that kind of situation or atmosphere, whatever, for a prolonged period of time. You know, now in this case would be going on 72 hours rather than landing, playing and trying to get used to uh, that lack of oxygen in real time. Right. As you were going through it. Um, it's It's an interesting theory. I haven't really seen it really backed up in in uh in terms of like what doctors per se have have said about guys playing at altitude or whatever, uh, but it's the kind of thing that a uh, a team's leader says to get his guys ready for the potential that you know they don't they don't win game one right that all isn't lost if they don't win game one that they can kind of rebound and and get ready for game two. That it, it struck me in 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 uh, in several regards as a really interesting statement from LeBron. That uh, again, 
I don't even know if it's necessarily true, but it's the kind of thing that like a competitor would convince himself of in the likelihood or in the event that the Lakers would have lost and eventually did lose game one. The other part of this too is um, I still contend and I'm biased here. So I have to, I have to cop to that, but I still contend that the Lakers took the best that Denver is going to get over the course of this series. They shot like it's one thing, it's one thing to just like generate really good looks. And Denver did a, a pretty good job, a really good job of that too. But it's one thing to generate a ton of good looks and knock down all of your open looks en route to a comfortable win, right? But Denver hit a lot of really tough shots and made all of the open ones too. And it was still a one possession game late in that game. So I, you know, and you can say, well, the Lakers shot really well too. And the Lakers got a lot of free throws in the second half and, and the Lakers had a bunch of things go in their direction too. And sure. Yeah. Like, like I've said with Tridell and like I said with Harrison, like there are two ends of the spectrum here and it's just a matter of like where within that spectrum you find yourself. Right. Um, a lot of my friends at DMVR, way the hell over here, right? And then, you know, a lot of Laker fans, way the hell over here. So it's just a matter of of trying to figure out uh, where on that spectrum you, you are going to land. So to me, though, um, as always, I think that the, the reality is somewhere in the middle. And to me, I do think that Lakers took that haymaker from, from uh, Denver, took a few of them frankly, over the course of the game. And yeah, got knocked down a couple times, but we're like still standing at the end of, you know, say like the the, the second or third round. And um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I asked Tridell on my show, uh, you know, earlier today, what he thought he saw from the, or what he felt coming out of the, the locker room in terms of confidence. And, and he said that, you know, there, the, it felt like, you know, the guys in there felt like they could win this. Not that they will or not nothing, you know, no crazy overconfidence, no Dylan Brooks kind of situation. But certainly like a quiet confidence is, is kind of how it sounded like he he uh, described it. And that makes sense. You know, the Lakers, do I think that Rui Hachimura is going to stop uh, Nikola Jokic? Obviously not, right? Like that, that's kind of crazy. But do I think that the Lakers could go to that as a pitch that they can throw defensively? Do did I think that the Lakers could, you know, mix that in with with more LeBron on Jokic, which we didn't really see very much of, and AD on Jokic, which we saw a lot of, and and you know, a, a lot more shading off of the likes of Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I. I I think that's something that the Lakers can continue to adjust with. Um, and then offensively, I was really struck, especially early in this game, how little the Lakers designed stuff to go specifically at Nikola Jokic defense, with him on defense. And, you know, part of me is like, well, you know, you don't want to throw every single one of your pitches, every single one of your punches in the first round of, of what is going to be a really long fight, feels like. 
but also like in the second half when the Lakers were really trying to get back into it, they did a lot more of that stuff. And again, like they were just as successful offensively as they were defensively against them. That's how you get back into a, a, a 20 point game. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to like about that second half. And, you know, again, it just, it just depends on your perspective from the, from the Nuggets standpoint, all that matters, you know, the, the conversation ender is, well, that's, that's cute. You guys found something to, to work with here. We have one game to nothing right now. Totally objectively true, right? But I also felt like, you know, the Nuggets, uh, that was one of the first times, especially in their house, that they got punched in the mouth. And, uh, you know, how they respond to that is going to be really interesting. And, and, you know, when you look at, and we're going to talk about Mike Malone's, uh, sorry, Michael Malone's. <laughs> As he as he likes to correct people with, but uh, I'm going to talk about Mikey's corrections here, or or, or uh, you know when asked about the, some of the adjustments that the Lakers made over the course of that game, and what felt like bravado from him in in response to some of those questions, that really struck me as oh is he a little compensating going on there, some something a little beyond the actual quotes, and again might be me being a homer, probably is me being a homer. But worth taking note of. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So shouts to my uh, former colleagues over at Silver Screen and Roll. This time, uh, Jacob was the one who threw together all of uh, the quotes from uh, Denver. And yeah, let's, uh, let's just kind of go through them here. So Harrison Wynn tweets out, uh, Harrison Wynn of, of DNVR. Uh, Bruce Brown says Denver isn't too worried about adjusting to the Rui Hachimura matchup on Nikola Jokic that the Lakers went to in game one. Overall, the Nuggets aren't concerned. They've seen that adjustment made against them many times throughout the regular season and playoffs. Michael Porter Jr. on the Lakers adjustment to put Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic. I don't think that will be an issue for us next game. We know how to counter that. Michael Malone, much is being made of them putting Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic like we've never seen that before. Okay. Um... All right. They have. They've seen iterations of that, I would imagine. Like, they have probably seen some version of uh, the the opposing team, uh, you know, having their center play help side defense versus and, and, and putting a smaller player on Jokic, especially a smaller, sturdier player on Jokic. And, and they have found ways to kind of deal with that that maybe they 
uh, were more successful with than they were in in those games than they were against the Lakers um, when when they kind of saw that for the first time on the fly with the Lakers. My one follow up question, if I could ask one, is okay. Yeah, you've dealt with that with bat, you know, with centers like maybe a Plumlee here and there, or a Gobert, or Zubots, or whatever, and. And, you know, you were able to deal with it that, you know, however you felt like you needed to deal with it. <laughs> and, and for the most part, like, again, there is no, like, there's nothing that the Lakers are going to do to Nikola Jokic that renders him unplayable on offense, right? He's a two-time MVP. Had he not sulked his way through the the the, the last couple months or so of the season, very easily could have been a three-time MVP. This is a great, 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 great player who uh, that caliber of player is going to figure out, figure you out at some point, no matter what you throw at them. But still, I do think, though, that the difference between Denver seeing that from other teams and now seeing it here from the Lakers is that that help side defender here is Anthony Davis, right? It's the pterodactyl. It's the help defender to end all help defenders. And, you know, maybe we see some counter. Maybe I would imagine they're going to handle it a little bit better than they did in the second half. You couldn't handle it much worse based on what we saw there, right? You almost lost a 20-point lead. You were a an, an ill-fated LeBron three-point pull-up jumper from squandering the entirety of that lead. Uh, so yeah, I think that was, if I was a Nuggets fan, I'd be like that, you know, please tell me have something, please give me my blankie. <laughs> and, and I, 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 I think that's, uh, that's the thing to watch defensively here for the Lakers in game two and the thing to watch offensively for the Nuggets here in game two. Um, that said, I think there are, there are tweaks that you can add to that if you're the Lakers. You can, you know, the Lakers were, you know, kind of not completely ignoring Aaron Gordon as a shooter. Um, I think we're, we're maybe a game or two away from that. Um, I think one thing that they're, 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 they're probably thinking about doing here pretty soon too is with AD, like, where they're like understanding where they're going to send help from and, and understanding like how to better respond to that, you know, designed and designated help. I mean, there, there are still things that the Lakers can add to that tweak in their approach defensively. And then offensively, I, I thought that like one, the Lakers getting more stops in the second half allows them to get out in transition, and they look significantly better out there in transition. They also looked awful in transition against the Nuggets. There was a lot of just kind of meandering back on defense. And you know, if the Lakers, it's already difficult enough to deal with the offensive presence that is uh, Nikola Jokic and the rest of that Denver group. But if you're just going to like every time you turn the ball over or you miss a shot just kind of dawdle back on defense and give up that many transition points, <laughs> you're really uh, limiting your, your margin for errors. So, you know, I think the, the, you know, the two kind of major tweaks here is continuing to add to the different defenses that you throw in the half court at, at Jokic and also not being such 
a disaster in transi- transition, you know, in the event that you turn the ball over or or you don't you don't score it yourself and force them to to take the ball out of the basket. Shit, there were some plays where, you know, the the Nuggets took the ball out of the basket, still ran down, uh, ran up the Lakers' backs as they were getting back on defense, and still got stuff at the rim before the defense was set. So, uh, do I do I think in any real way that the Lakers played their best defensive game start to finish? Absolutely not. Do I think though that like if even if the Lakers do play their best offensive game, that the Nuggets still might get one over on them because they're just that good offensively? Yeah, yeah they're really effing good. <laughs> uh, the other part of this too, before we move on, um, we're we're getting a lot of this, and um, you know this is from Brandon Vote, Bruce Brown on the, on the Nuggets being doubted. Nobody watches us. That's why. Um, so apparently there is more context to this question that it was asked in a more general sense that why was it that like, why were the, why were the Suns favored going into that series? Why were the Suns favored going into the playoffs at, you know, in terms of coming out of, of, of the playoffs? Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's nothing so rich as a number one overall seed feeling like they aren't getting properly respected. Here's the thing though. Um, you want more respect? Y'all should have tried more in the in 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 the back half of the season. Like they just kind of sulked around, and and uh, you know again it costs Jokic that that third consecutive MVP. You, you you want you you want more respect? Like go out and earn it. Like this is sounds a lot like the Phoenix Suns, where you know they're getting they're getting angry about some of the questions that they had to answer. Um, last year in the playoffs as they were getting ready to go to the finals eventually, right? And it's like, look, you guys have you're you're a good core, really good team. I really enjoy watching you play. But this idea that the one seed is getting too much doubt, a little weird to me. You, you you talk about like nobody watching you. Look at your owner for 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 an explanation on that as as they have been uh, blacked out of their own market for, you know, basically the entirety of the Nikola Jokic era. And, and like, lastly, um, you haven't done shit. <laughs> like you're doubted because you haven't won a title. You're doubted. Be- and, and look, there are reasons that you didn't, you had the Jamal Murray injury. You had, uh, multiple back surgeries on MPJ. Uh, you, you lost in the bubble to a really good Lakers team and all of that stuff. But like to 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 demand essentially that we all bow bow down to the grand presence that is the the 2023 Denver Nuggets like win first and then you can carry yourself that way like win a championship and then carry yourself that way you were really good in the regular season when you actually really wanted to be really good thing is though when more people started tuning into the NBA. As you know, teams started vying for playoff positioning for the playoffs themselves. As you get more marquee games over the second half of the season, you guys tuned out. That's not an us problem. You know, that's not that's not that's not my problem. That was a you decision. And and like, yeah, look, ESPN TNT does a shit job when it comes to presenting their their actual TV partner or their 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 uh, corporate partners here in the NBA, right? Um, you have you have TNT 
making a mockery and, 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 and having a giant joke every year that like Chuck doesn't know who plays for whom. Right. Um, you have ESPN where you had, you know, one of their major voices and Mike Greenberg asking before game five of the second round of the playoffs, if the Lakers should sit their starters. Right. The funny thing uh, about not getting covered nationally is then you're going to get cut. Like at some point you're going to get your wish. If your team is good, you're going to get your wish. If the Nuggets win a championship next year, they are going to have a lot more attention on them heading into, or if they win a championship this year, next year, they're going to have a lot more attention on them. That's how this works. But the thing about this, I'm a Vikings fan, right? Um, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a UCLA football fan, right? And with, the Lakers and the Dodgers, they are constantly talking points, A block talking points on all of these shows, right? Because they are needle movers. And, um, you know, you have a lot of dumb talking points about both of those teams from those national shows because all of those national opinion makers, there's no way to be educated well enough to offer up super nuanced, well-thought-out opinions on those teams if you have to pay attention to not just, like in, in like Stephen A's case, he's paying attention not just to like all of the NBA, but also apparently all of, all of the NFL um, and, and basically any, like MMA, I saw, like he gets into too. Like, um, yeah, when the, the thing, like the thing from Nuggets fans' perspective here that I find kind of funny is that because again I, I experienced this with the Vikings and with UCLA football where if the Vikings start playing well, you're like, okay, this means that they're gonna start getting talked about on, on all of these shows. And then I listen to some of these shows, less so in the NFL, because I think their their coverage of the sport is significantly better. But like college football, I think is a better example where I'm like, I, I wait to hear what these kind of national presences think about UCLA. And then they'll make points that like don't actually align with what UCLA has actually done that year. And I get annoyed because it's like, no, you don't know what, enough about this team to actually say those things about the team that I care about. And, and I think like eventually that's where, where Nuggets fans who are annoyed at how little their team gets covered um, are, are going to land next year where their team after their team gets covered a little bit more. It's like, no, 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 no. Can we go back to you not saying shit, dumb shit about my team? Like, <laughs> I guarantee you that's going to be the talking point coming out of that fan base next year. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So, so yeah, I don't know. Like some of these, some of the stuff about like nobody, nobody believes in this all this shit. Like you're a one seed. You're a one seed in the stronger conference. Your presence in the Western Conference, the, 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 at, at one point they were like lapping the Western Conference. And that was why Jokic could have, I think had he kept on playing, won himself that third straight uh, MVP. And yeah, like, <laughs> uh, 
if you're if you want that respect, one, you have to earn it, and then two, be careful what you ask for because eventually those national presences are going to start saying really dumb stuff about your team because that's the only way these national presences know how to cover these things. It's soundbite USA, right? It's it's not they don't they don't you don't you don't go to first take for nuanced and 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 super analytical discussions about all of these teams. No, you're gonna get Stephen A saying like the next time that next year if if the Nuggets win a championship, you're gonna get Stephen A. Smith going on there after like a five game losing streak, saying that Nikola Jokic needs to retire. Like you want you want that attention? Like saying this as a Lakers fan who always has that attention, have at it, bud. <laughs> Enjoy. All right, last kind of thing here before we uh, head out and and get ready for what is going to be another knockdown dragout game, I feel like, between the Lakers and the Nuggets. I want to kind of expand and, and talk about some kind of league-wide stuff that I find really interesting. So Shams Karania reports that uh, Bob Myers and the Warriors are kind of bracing for a breakup, okay? Um, all right. You have Adrian Wojnarowski uh, reporting that Michael Winger, current general manager of the Clippers, is um, interviewing with the Washington Wizards. All right. Uh, You had a report that the Phoenix Suns are interested in Ty Lue and that it isn't, it's somewhat unlikely as Ty Lue is currently employed. But I mean, like if you're, if you're, if, if a rumor is so pervasive behind the scenes that a currently employed coach is the preferred choice of a different team, there's a lot of smoke there, if not an outright flame. So that's kind of interesting, right? Lawrence Frank, uh, I think current either vice or actual president of basketball operations for the Clippers. Not much has happened on his watch, right? So maybe he makes his way out too. Bob Myers is a UCLA guy. He uh, is an LA guy. He is also probably pretty sick of having to abide this two timeline process that uh, Warriors ownership has kind of forced on him. And he's maybe thinking that, and he's also probably looking at like Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Steph still looks great, and that's maybe all that necessarily matters, but maybe Draymond's starting to lose a, a step. Clay looks really bad, you know, it, it, compared to what you expect out of him in that LA, in, in the Lakers series. Maybe he's starting to look at that core and be like, do I want to get out before either I have to trade some of those guys or this thing just ends around me? And uh, look, if I had my wishes, the Lakers currently employ Rob Polinka as their vice president of vice president of basketball operations and general manager. Do I think Bob Myers would leave the Warriors to go to the Lakers and be, you know, Rob Polinka's underling? Probably not, but I can wish. That said, look, Steve Ballmer is about to open up this brand new facility in Inglewood. He has spent billions with a B and plural, not just on buying the team, but building that facility, building out their infrastructure. Like you ask anybody around the league in terms of like which team has the most resources that are currently like 
or con, con excuse me, constantly uh, pumped into the organization. The Clippers are one of the first and and consistently one of the highest listed names that you're going to find in the NBA. Uh, Balmer is a nutcase. You watch him there on the sideline. He wants nothing more. It, it looks like during timeouts, he just like they lay a thing. Of, he did. They don't actually do this. Don't sue me. But it looks like they lay out like a Tony Montana sized line of cocaine that he just like scoops into his body because you look at him and he's just like a nutcase there during those games. So uh, if you were to ask me like outcome here, I think there's a lot of dominoes that are pointing in the direction of Bob Myers, architect of the Golden State Warriors uh, dynasty maybe sort of being tempted to come home at home being LA and, and, and getting offered that president of basketball operations job where he doesn't have to worry about Kirk Lacob. He doesn't have to worry about Joe Lacob demanding that they, that they build for the future while they still have a top five player in Steph Curry. He just gets away from that potentially gets to hit the reset button here or, or like add to, a Clippers roster on the fly um, that still like when, when if, if we ever arrive at a point where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard uh, survive through a season, like maybe he just gets lucky and he shows up for that year. So yeah, I, I, I would love to talk to Aaron about this and, and eventually we will, I will, but yeah, this is, um, this is a series of rumors that you cannot help but link together. So keep an eye on all of it. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Uh, apologies for not having a lowdown yesterday. That was a uh, result of finding out as I was getting ready to record the lowdown. Uh, Trudell hit me up and goes, hey, um, you know, we've been trying, we've been going back and forth, trying to figure out in both of our schedules how to work out in appearance, he goes, hey, you got time tomorrow? Absolutely. So I went ahead and used that lowdown slot on that show with uh, Mike Trudell of Spectrum and of the LFR pod. So uh, that was a fun conversation that I hope you check out. Also, by the time you guys are listening to this, the episode of uh, of yesterday's lounge with, or today's lounge with uh, Harrison and me also is, is in this feed. You're going to want to check that out as well. And then tonight, after the game, you have Raj and me recapping however that game goes. Plus, either Aaron later tonight to do that with us, or he and I will talk on Friday. So, yeah, lots of stuff to get you through all of this as we prepare to, you know, try to survive this uh, Denver Nuggets series. So until all of that, and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin. Thing. Have a good one, everybody.